Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Happy Sunday, everyone, and thank you for joining me tonight for the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, dating coach and founder of singleinthecity.ca. How can you spot a narcissistic personality and what does being in a relationship with one look like? Tonight we're joined by Dr. Nancy Lee who will be sharing some insight into this. Um, She is a clinical psychologist based out of Beverly Hills, a leading practitioner of cognitive behavioral therapy and the author of Don't Sleep With Him Yet, A Badass Guide to Dating in 10 Empowering Steps. Tonight we're going to be discussing how to spot a narcissist what a relationship with one looks like, and how to get out of an unhealthy relationship. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight, Dr. Nancy. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled to talk about this topic. It's an important one, and I really hope that our discussion today helps a lot of, pe- a lot of listeners. I'm sure that it will, and Dr. Nancy is also another one of my clubhouse friends. I love hosting rooms with her because she is so knowledgeable, and here we are. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the vote of confidence, Laura. Very much appreciated. (laughs) Now, it's common to label people considered self-centered or egotistical as a narcissist. But what exactly is narcissism and how is it different than any other type of abuse? Okay. So that's a really important distinction to make because these days it's almost as quote unquote, everybody is a narcissist, right? And that is so not, that is so not correct. So in psychology, a a narcissist, so narcissism is considered a diagnosable personality disorder, Uh, but there are definite characteristics that have to be met. So just in a nutshell, Those characteristics are centered around a lack of empathy, an exaggerated sense of self-importance, and a need for constant admiration. Then with that, there is about nine, actually exactly nine other character traits that go along with that. To be diagnosed, Somebody would need those three character traits that I mentioned and then five other traits. Now, this is, we're talking pure psychology, okay? Um, but in, so people, and this is very common, people can have features of narcissism and be very difficult to deal with in relationships, but not full-blown narcissism where it's actually abusive and pathological. Right, because they say that most of us will demonstrate narcissistic tendencies over time. We like having power and control, and once in a while we we may feel grandiose or self-important. We need admiration and attention. Everyone has a desire for success and love. However, Narcissistic personality disorder is rare, according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, between 0.5 and 1% of the general population, and they say that 50 to 75% of men are diagnosed with, with narcissistic personality disorder. That's like very, very low. I mean, do, but do those numbers sound accurate to you? Because everywhere I turn, Nancy, I know someone who has dated 
a narcissist, like I'm myself included. So does that sound accurate to you, like 05 to 1%? First of all, I'm smiling because I love that you did your homework, Laura. I like, I love it. So the prevalence reported by, so picture, uh, you know, picture a gilded tower with, you know, with psychiatrists and psychologists, and they're really like going out there and, you know, conducting surveys on people's relationships and on people, and they, they, they come across this number, and it's also based on, you know, tr- it's also based on people who present for therapy. So you are absolutely correct. The number in in practicality is very likely an under such an underestimate. And and remember, they are so the people who come up with the researchers who come up with these statistics are coming at it from a very exacting point of view. So like I said, they are making sure that every single criteria is being met in that DSM-5, which is basically the Bible used by psychologists um, in the mental health profession. That's how we get paid by insurance companies, right? Somebody has to have a diagnosis to be paid. In reality, okay, in reality, I believe, anyway, and especially anecdotally as a therapist in hello Southern California in the heart of in the heart of Beverly Hills, um, Hollywood, I see so much so much more narcissism. I mean, not not just in my practice. Literally, I can walk into a restaurant and I, I, I just by the way people are treating ser- servers, you can you can pick out people with narcissistic features. Really, give me an example. This is interesting. Okay, I, um, the other night, the other night, um, somebody let's see sent their um, sent their menu back at a at a table. Um, I I don't, <laughs> so I, okay. I'm just gonna say it. Tower well, what bar. What if it's colder? Tower. Tower bar grill, whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a Hollywood hangout. Um, yeah. So, um, but, but it's a great restaurant if anyone visits, but at, you know, at the table next to me, somebody, you know, um, gentleman, early thirties sent his, uh, sent his menu back because it was dirty. Um, he then proceeded to send his soda back, uh, because it was flat and and kind of like on and on, um, if you're, look, if you're on a date with somebody, especially, Laura, like on an early date, so the way that somebody treats a server can be very telling. It's not, it's, it, and it's not always about what they're saying to a server, but how they're saying it. So that, to me, is like a dead giveaway of, underlying narcissism and when we come back after the break we're going to discuss this uh in further detail how to spot a narcissist don't go anywhere this is important guys stay with us Back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Happy 
happy Sunday and welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto with myself, your host, Laura Bellotta, and my special guest tonight, Dr. Nancy Lee. We are discussing narcissistic personalities and how to spot them. Well, let's get back at it. Now, when I, uh, well, when dating in general, uh, I think it's important to keep an eye out for the red flag so you can avoid ending up in a troublesome relationship. When I first met the narcissist that I dated, Nancy, he showered me with affection, boy. He told me how different I was uh, to everyone else that he dated, how I was the one and how we were meant to be. Um, This person showed up with expensive gifts, like from day one, right? And they kept coming, although I kept saying, hey, listen, like ease off on the gifts. Like I just felt like it was too much. Red flag, right? They kept coming and coming and coming. At first, though, you like it because you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I, I've never really been treated like this. Like, this is kind of cool. Like, I get silver bracelets on, 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 on our first date. I get like $100 bottles of wine. Like, this is just is not typical, right? And in reality, though, I wasn't dating Prince Charming at all. He was just reeling me in. This technique is called love bombing. It's when someone makes you feel like you're the most important person in the world and um, they must be the one for you because they just seem so perfect. However, none of it is real. And this isn't how a normal relationship is supposed to progress. If you feel a relationship is moving too quickly, then guess what? It probably is. If someone has declared their underlying love for you, you know, a week, this guy was like, I love you a week later. I was like, you love me. I'm like, you don't even know me. How the heck can you love me? And then he would get upset with me when I would, I would, <laughs> I would argue with him about it. It's like, stop saying that because, again, that's a red flag. How do you love me in a week, right? So if someone is pre- declaring their underlying love for you, um, you know, or their undying, sorry, love for you in just a few weeks after meeting them and telling you that, you know, you're their soulmate and um, maybe they're making you feel uncomfortable, um, then the affection is probably not coming from a good place. So, Nancy, from you, what are some of the other things to keep an eye out for in terms of a narcissistic um, personality type? Okay. So, narcissist, and I love the fact that you shared that experience because mm-hmm. it is so spot. It is Laura. It is so spot on. So, narcissists, by the way, are typically very charming. Um, if they're men, they're really good looking. Well, both men and women, really good looking. Um, the women are beautiful, and they often are people who, especially the men, have some semblance of, of prominence, okay? So, um, again, I'm here in Hollywood. Maybe we think about an actor. If, um, I, for me, some, somebody prominent might be a Nobel Prize winner, although they, they don't tend to be narcissists. But, again, they're very, very good at luring people in. Yeah. Uh, and it, exactly what you said, the comp, you know, they, they, they're, it's especially not smart narcissists. They know, they know what works. They, even though they can't empathize with people, okay, meaning they can't put themselves in somebody other's shoes, others shoes to really understand how they're feeling, but they are very good at reading the room. So they may know like, okay, gifts and compliments, The difference is, okay, if you are now, to be honest, um, I've seen relationships where it's, you know, it's, it's fast and furious at the beginning 
it, and it can go well, okay? But the difference when somebody is dealing with a narcissist or honestly any other emotionally abusive um, or manipulative person is pretty soon you, you I don't I don't want to cuss on the radio but you start experiencing these WTF moments like where you're literally sucker punched because here you feel like yes you may be uncomfortable in the moment but come on you like it right you like the silver bracelet okay or the you know or the lavishing of money like spent on you like let's be honest it it doesn't feel all bad at the beginning but no. down the ro- right but this is the but down the road this is the difference okay and this is so important if somebody is in an emotionally abusive relationship, even though they don't know it yet, so they're with an emotional abuser, whether that's a full-blown narcissist or a sociopath or just, you know, just anybody else, those moments where you feel like you're blindsided or you're sucker punched, you like, you're suddenly, wait a minute, this isn't right. And when I, when I say those moments, it can be, Anything as simple as you're stating your needs and the other person totally dismisses you um, to where the person, like a narcissist, say, lets their guard down. They, they cut out the charm for a moment and they become highly critical of you. Um, a call, or they, you know, they call you like they, you may say, hey, I'd really, you know, you, you may, might be expressing that, gosh, you know, I didn't hear, you know, I didn't hear from you for like two weeks. Hey, what's going on? And they're like, you're going to be that needy. And you're like, whoa. So the signs really early on, narcissists, no matter how charming and how effusive they are with compliments and lavish, whatever they lavish on you, it really isn't long before you start experiencing some really moments of what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, like what switched, what's what changed. Right, um, right. And it, it seems like you can never do anything right. You're always in the wrong no matter what. It's your fault. It's Well, it's your fault that I'm acting this way. It's not my fault. I wouldn't normally oh, yeah. act like this. Yeah, you push me to do it. Um, and, and when they're trying to reel you in, a narcissistic person is, is likely to mention how badly they've been treated in the past. I got that, right? Um, oh, yes. And, and they may fine. refer great, to... Great red yeah. flag. Yes. Right. It's, they it's may refer always to... someone else's... Sorry, Laura. I'm just so excited about the topic. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's always somebody else's fault. Right. And they may refer to past abuse in their life or maybe past previous relationships, again, that was uh, something that happened with me. Uh, And maybe it's true, but be wary. The narcissist knows that you are empathetic, right? Because I am very empathetic. Um, And they know revealing personal information to you will probably make you feel like you're bonding with them. But in reality, they're just... Uh, just trying to create that illusion of closeness, and and they're most likely going to use it against you down the road. Oh, yeah. They weaponize. Narcissists are very good at weaponizing. So you tell them something personal, or you confide something, and down the road they use it against it. You also mentioned, or you alluded to, a really common characteristic of narcissists. They can't accept any 
self-criticism. There's no self-insight. So, and, and often, by the way, you know, down the road in an established relationship where their guard is down, if you try to, like, point something out, even constructively, they often rage and counterattack. Rage. So instead of really, yeah, instead of addressing what you're, you know, what you're talking about, uh, they'll go into a rage and attack you. I, c- I can give you a common example of that if you want. Sure. Okay. So you're say you're in a relationship with somebody on with a narcissist, ongoing relationship, and you're sitting across. This is this is super common. Happens all the time. You're sitting across from them um, in at what's supposed to be a, a relaxing romantic dinner, um, whether it's home or at a restaurant, and all that they're doing is looking at their phone. Okay. So you say, hey, you know, in a in of course. Tone is everything. So we, I'll say you, but we, you know, the the person says in a, you know, in a very respectful tone, hey, would it be okay to put put down, you know, the cell phone for a little? Like it's 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 really distracting. And then the narcissist, or honestly, any other emotional manipulator, in, will look at will look at you. And say, you're always criticizing me. Instead of saying like, hey, God, you have a good point. Sorry, I didn't realize I was doing that. You see the, you see the counterattack and the deflection? Oh, oh, goodness, yes. Oh, goodness, yes. Yeah. To a point where eventually you start thinking you're not. You're, you're thinking, wait a sec, it must be me. Like, is it me? Yes. Or did I say that? Because I don't remember saying that. I didn't say that. Or it, maybe it came out wrong, but you start questioning yourself. <laughs> yeah, oh, and Laura, I love that you also mentioned that you're an empath. So am I. Oh, yeah. Way. So from that's mm-hmm. why we get along so well. Um, my own, my own theory, like this is not in the DSM five, but my own theory is that I've just I've seen it. Narcissists prey on empathetic people. Um, they just do because they remember narcissism. A narcissist is all about themselves, right? right. It, it, somebody else's needs don't matter. Um, but it's all about themselves, and they know that an empath, like they almost can sense that, they know that an empathetic partner is going to get give them what they need, but they will give nothing back. So, yes, absolutely, in a relationship with a narcissist, it's it's like you start feeling like you lose you lose a sense of yourself, but in a in a really in a very depressing way. Because your needs have been dismissed for so long, or like you, you almost start doubting yourself because that's the part that's that's the manipulation that comes yeah. with it. Another characteristic that's really common of narcissists along these same lines is they want automatic compliance. Okay, so the narc, you know, so your the narcissist is calling you at, you know, at. 5 a.m. and maybe their car is stuck and okay they you know they want you to be there like stat right yeah if it's if it's reversed um they don't show up for you it's the same thing going back to that server in her in her restaurant 
they want what they want now. Like they, they are complaining because they have to wait. And why isn't this guy or this woman, you know, at their beck and call? So there's this, there's this need for automatic compliance as well. Right now, let's flip things to the other side. So what if you start to realize that you might be a narcissist yourself? And maybe this is okay. If if you even ask yourself that question, Laura, you're not a narcissist because narcissists will never ask themselves that question. They don't want to admit that anything anything is wrong with them. Remember, they have this exaggerated sense of their importance, their their self importance. They think that they're perfect. Okay, um, if you're concerned about yourself, how you are in a relationship, the best thing to do is take the point of view of the other person. Practice empathy. That's a much better way to assess how am I, how am I doing in a relationship. I love that. All right, moving past your relationship with a narcissist, we are talking to Dr. Nancy Lee all the way from California. We'll be right back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night and you're tuned into the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto with myself, Laura Bilotta, and tonight's guest, Dr. Nancy Lee. And we are getting right back into our discussion on narcissism and unhealthy relationships. I love this discussion today, Dr. Nancy Lee. I always always love having conversations with you, even on, um, on stage, on Clubhouse, because you're just so knowledgeable, and thank you so much today for your presence. Oh, thank you, Laura, and it's, li- it's absolutely mutual. Um, we jive really well, so we mut- mutual admiration. Thank you Yay. so much. <laughs> All right, so um, let's get back to our discussion. Do narcissists use emotional manipulation, and if so, how? It's an excellent question. I'm glad you asked. A cunning narcissist, a smart narcissist absolutely uses emotional manipulation. And I'm going to break that down for people. So emotional manipulation psychologically is when somebody tries to get what they want in a relationship. They often try to control their partner by using this underhanded, deceptive, or devious means to change the behavior or perceptions of their partner. That was just a lot, so I'm going to repeat it, okay? So this is a definition that's used by psychologists to, to be able to really gain insight into what is going on when somebody is really struggling in a relationship and feels that they're being abused or manipulated, okay? So emotional manipulation is when somebody tries to control their partner and get what they want in a relationship Mm -hmm. by using underhanded, deceptive, or devious means to change the behavior or perception of their partner. I can give you um, a really simple example of that if you'd like. Sure. 
Okay. Say that you suspect that your partner is cheating. Okay. Um, you've seen, you, you have seen maybe some, you know, some texts have popped up from their, on their phone from like one of, say your boyfriend's work colleagues. And it's a very flirty, sexy text, right? You, you confront him on it. Hey, like, you know, what's that, like that text from Jessica, like, come on, like what's going on? Okay. The emotionally manipulative person, right? Now, this is whether they're a narcissist or just not, not necessarily even a narcissist, but just a really bad partner. They, instead of owning that and addressing it with you, they will say something like, oh, are, are you like, what's the matter with you going through my phone? That is like, so that is so you're paranoid. You're that's off. That's so paranoid. Like, what are you doing going through my phone? Nothing is going wrong, going on. You're crazy. Okay. I, I wonder how many listeners are relating to that. So if you go back, Laura, and you look at emotional abuse, okay, they're trying to get what they want in a relationship, like they want to be with you, but they want to have something on the side with Jessica, right? So it's what they want. They're also trying to control your behavior. They don't want you looking at their phone. They don't want you confronting them. And they're using, it's deception. They're lying, like they're lying to your face. Um, and, and, and they're trying to change your own perceptions, like instead of like, yeah, like you're right, like, oh God, you're right, like da 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 they're like, you're crazy. So you see how that emotional manipulation actually operates? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it generally happens early on in a relationship, too. And we tend to avoid the red flags. Exactly. So I, those, I, those, are the, those are the WTF moments I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. So I always encourage people to just take it slow. Take your time when you're getting to know someone. Don't just jump in because you don't know someone within the first few months of dating. Heck, sometimes you don't know someone within the first few years of dating. So please, take your time and don't doubt yourself. Um, If someone shows you who they are, believe them. Trust them. Trust that that is who they are. And please, yes, um, don't get stuck in something unhealthy, right? Just believe the situation as soon as you recognize uh, the flag. Right. All right. So let's talk about moving past your relationship with a narcissist. So do you think that it's even possible, Dr. Nancy, to have a healthy relationship with someone who has narcissistic tendencies? It's an excellent question, Laura. It, yeah. it depends on the tendencies. With Okay, so with a full-on pathological narcissist right out of the book, and that's not the question you asked, but I do want to preface it. No, it isn't possible. Okay. Uh, personality disorders are very, 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 very difficult, not only to treat, but to be in a relationship with. Oh, okay. my goodness. So I just want to put that aside. It depends on what the features are. So if there's somebody who you're in a relationship with, and, yeah, they exaggerate, their talents or they exaggerate their job. You know, they fish for compliments a lot, but, okay, so those are narcissistic 
features. But the real key is empathy. If they have empathy, okay, um, then the relationship is definitely doable. And again, by empathy, I'm, I'm going to repeat this. The psychological definition of empathy is being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. So even if, yeah, like the narcissist, oh, and by the way, a narcissistic feature that people don't often think about, but it's right out, it's right in the DSM five, narcissistic people are, are, narcissists are often very envious people. Um, Not, not only are they envious, but they think that other people are envious of them. Okay. Um, So look, that, you know, the, the exaggerating your, you know, exaggerating your talents or your abilities, um, a bit of entitlement, not, uh, look, entitled people drive me crazy, um, but not, that's me personally, not over-the-top entitlement, but a little bit of entitlement, right, would be, could be doable in a relationship as long as the person is showing you empathy. And by en- empathy, they're sensitive to your needs. They care about you. They consider you. Those relationships are absolutely workable. If the empathy is missing, so and again, that that's another feature of of, um, of narcissism. If if there is an absolute lack of empathy, my advice would be to get out while you can. Run. Right. I love that. Yes. Run. Yeah. 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 Now, what about uh, the relationship being further along? Maybe you have kids, uh, you've been together for a while. How do you know overall that it's, it's unhealthy? Great question, Laura. You feel sad a lot. Um, you start doubting yourself. So a, a, a great relationship or even just a normal relationship, we feel good. Um, we lift our partners up and they lift, and they lift us up. When we are in a toxic, unhealthy relationship, whether it's with a full-blown narcissist or another emotional manipulator, we start feeling very depressed and very sad. Sometimes we don't even know why we feel that, but we definitely start feeling really bad and, and doubting ourselves and just bad and sad in general. I love that. Thank you so so much for clarifying that now healing after an abusive relationship that's what i would love to discuss with you when we come back don't go anywhere anyone we'll be right back Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. This is the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto with myself, dating coach Laura Bellotta, and tonight's guest, Dr. Nancy Lee. We are discussing how to get out and heal from an unhealthy relationship with a narcissist. Welcome back, Dr. Nancy. Hi. Hi. All right, so being in an abusive relationship can feel very lonely. The shame, the guilt, the social pressures, the expectations can keep you from wanting to open up to other people. But I know that when you keep it all bottled up inside, 
it's easy to convince yourself that nothing is really wrong. Talking to a professional like yourself may be very helpful. Now, what about those in an abusive relationship that aren't able to get out because they're scared of what's going to happen to them if they leave their abuser? What are some of the most important steps that they can take to get themselves out safely? Where can they turn to for help? First of all, surround yourself with support. And by support, it can be any and all, Um, starting with people who love you and care about you, friends, family, um, your, your networks, often abusers, okay, whether these are, again, full on, I I qualify by saying full-on narcissist, meaning like right out of the DSM-5, or any other extremely abusive partner tends to isolate you from support networks. So you want to you want to undo that, and you want to really reach out to people. I've counseled people where they're, oh, I don't want to call so-and-so because I don't want to unload on her. Like, hello, that's what friends are for. And by, by the way, we, we all understand that intuitively, um, but what I found really fascinating, Laura, is that there's also research now that shows that for women especially, um, the support of their female friends is one of the most valuable factors oh, in yeah. healing depression. Are you so kidding I, me? Yes. Yeah. So I, th- how powerful is that? I there. I don't think there is anything more powerful than that. Like I think my my friends have. Um, yeah. Talked saved to you? Me. Yeah, saved me. <laughs> Talk me from throwing right. myself off a bridge a few times. No, I've never, I've never wanted to jump off a bridge. Let me just clarify that. But you know what I mean, right? Like I know exactly. Like hello, like we're. I'm a therapist. You know, we're human. <laughs> like honestly, I tell my closest girlfriends um, over and over again, like how much I love them, and they they've helped me. They have helped me through 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 so much, but, but people tend to overlook that. Or again, some, often, like I said, very empathetic women, especially get caught up in these, you know, abusive relationships and they don't want to quote unquote burden people. It is not a burden. I, you know, and of course it goes without saying, you know, there, there are so many professionals that one can seek out and groups. Um, you know, it's that, that's just a click away. So definitely, definitely surround yourself with support if you feel like you're going through something like this. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And how about men, Dr. Nancy? Because, and I often ask this question on this show, but I want to hear your perspective because men have a hard time reaching out to their friends or, um, they have a hard time reaching out to therapists when they are in trouble or when they do feel down. Do you have any advice for them? I'm so glad you asked that. 
Um, And I want to recognize my own bias as a woman. So I have been giving a lot of examples where the woman is involved with a narcissistic partner. Um, I'm going to get to your question in a minute, I promise. But I do want to give a little bit of context. Um, with narcissism, it's the prevalence. There, there are something like twice as many narcissistic men as as women, and this is full on diagnosable. That said, okay, um, you do find female narcissists and female abusers of men in relationships. Okay, so now I'm going to go to your question, which, like I said, is an excellent one. Yes, men are often far more reluctant, especially to talk to other men and open up about, and when I say men, they're, they're, they're friends, they're acquaintances, they're colleagues. Um, they have a much, in general, much tougher time doing that. Part of it is acculturation. Part of it is neuroscience. There is an area in our brain where women are just um, have more we have more gray matter at in that part of our brain that's responsible for reading emotions even discussing emotions so men are a little bit more limited even even neuroscientifically but that said um, acculturation plays a big part for so for any men for, so for men listening out there um, find another guy. Like it is, you'll you'll find that you feel so much better when you do open up to a friend, a family member, somebody that you feel close to. It is it's extremely healing. Um, it's really interesting, Laura. In my practice, it's about fifty fifty women and men. So um, I do feel like the, the you know, the st- maybe the stigma of, of seeing a therapist is changing. I, I do see men reaching out to therapists, but I still do not see them reaching out to their, you know, or, or opening up to their friends and their family. Um, that That's lagging far behind, and it's so important. You seem like that type of therapist that I would go to. Oh, thank you. I'm going to yeah, take I'm going to take that as a compliment. Well, I just I think it's real important to um, get along with your therapist. I think that you should shop around sometimes, right? Because I've I've heard of people in therapy for fifteen, twenty years, and nothing's helped them. It's like, well, you're obviously not with the right therapist, or I I mean, like you you cannot possibly be in therapy for 15 years and still be feeling just as badly as you were 15 years ago. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. The therapeutic relationship is a relationship. Um, And there's a, there's a chemistry. What I tell people, I'm often like asked, Hey, how, how do I choose a therapist right off the bat? um, One piece of advice I like to give people is a therapist should be willing to spend at least five to 10 minutes on the phone with you, just chatting before yeah. you even book. Okay. Um, it's, it's not like going, I, I'm married to an ophthalmologist, so an eye surgeon. It's like you, it's, it's, it's not the same. No. There is a certain, there's I, a certain chemistry involved. I um, totally and, agree. And, and, and straight away, if, if my, straight away, 
my benchmark is if a therapist is not willing to give you like that brief amount of time, move on. Move on. Uh, same with my day coaching practice. I always spend at least 50 minutes on the phone with them before um, I, they book with me. But one more quick question because we don't have any more time. How can you heal from these emotional wounds and start to move on again? We have like 30 seconds. Oh, my goodness. In 30 seconds or less, this is a three-hour question. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. So, Barry, I'm going, to, I'm going to speak quickly and defer to Martin Seligman, who is my guru. He was the father of positive psychology. Think the three Ps. And this is in my book, by the way, as well. So I have a whole section, oh, on narcissists and on healing from heartbreak. But think permanence. The pain isn't going to last forever. Think personalization. It is not your fault. And think pervasiveness. Don't compartmentalize. Do the opposite of these things. Don't let it pervade. Don't let that pain pervade other areas of your life. When you've got those three things down, it's going to be much easier to move on. Dr. Nancy, I love you. Where can people learn more about all your greatness? Okay, check out my website, www.drnancylee.com. That's abbreviated for drnancylee.com. Check out my book, Don't Sleep With Him Yet, A Badass Guide to Dating in 10 Empowering Steps on Amazon. Um, and I am also on Instagram and Clubhouse. Thank you so much, Dr. Nancy Lee. Are you ready to start dating again? I can help you get ready for love, and I can help you find love. Reach out to me on Instagram, official Laura Bellotta. Check out my website, singleinthecity.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next week, everybody, ciao for now.